Hello and welcome to the Bible with Megan podcast. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. There are two types of episode in this podcast. The first is where I look at wider themes about the Bible, within the Bible, questions about how we should study the Bible and how it relates to our world. The second type of episode are just Bible studies and each week I'll go chronologically through a book of the Bible. The Bible is such a beautiful book and such an incredible gift that we have been given by God and I just hope that in this podcast you will learn to love studying it even more and that it will strengthen your faith. So let's get on with today's episode. Ember. Obviously you can't see her but you can probably hear her. She's gonna try and play with the microphone I'm sure. Um, but here we are again. It's Saturday. Um, this one has been a while coming so thank you for your patience. We are now in chapter 7 of Revelation for the Revelation series. Um, this one has taken me well firstly I haven't been well and also we went away so obviously that was a factor but it's taken me a while to research I think because I'm still not sure exactly um, where I stand on it. So actually, it was really valuable for me to dig into this um, and spend time on it and kind of think about what actually it could be and how it works. And uh, there's a load of different positions. And uh, I will link more in the description about about that and different people talking about the positions in more depth if you want to really look into this. Um, what I'm going to try and do is take you through a few different interpretations um, and do it briefly so I'm keeping my eye on the time. I want to keep this concise, I want to hopefully give you the information that I've spent hours looking into in a kind of brief um, manner that gives you enough of a foundation to understand the different interpretations, where they kind of come from, um, and yeah, obviously basing ourselves in the text as we always do on this podcast, starting in the text and working out what it actually says rather than starting from our own ideas and systems and trying to make the text fit into that. So we are going to read Revelation chapter 7. Um, what I'm going to be focusing on is the 144,000 um, that is mentioned in this passage and then next week I'm going to be looking at the Great Tribulation because this is where we first find that phrase in the book of Revelation. So next week I'm going to be diving into that, what that means uh, within the context of the book and how we can read that um, faithfully to the book of Revelation. So let's read chapter 7. You probably hear my cat purring now. <laughs> right, chapter 7. This is the ESV translation, but as always, whatever you've got to hand if you want to follow along is great. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. 
And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who'd been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe... <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so hard, it's like a tongue twister when you say it all in one go. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So what's going on here? Chapter 7 is this kind of interlude between the first six seals and then the final seventh seal. And we have another interlude like this that happens later on in the book. But it seems like a weird gap. Um, I think what helps us is to actually look at the end of chapter 6 and see how it ends. It ends... Um, with the day of wrath being described, we spoke about that, the imagery of the day of the Lord back in the last podcast in this series. Um, and the question that's asked is, in this day of wrath, when it comes, who can stand? Who can stand? And so I think what's happening here in chapter seven is John has been given the answer to that question in his vision. He's being shown who can stand. Um, in the day of wrath and so it speaks at the beginning of this chapter about the four angels in the four corners of the earth and this is reminiscent of what we spoke about last time uh, about the four horsemen being released and it's kind of about the four corners of the earth again so it could be that this is a chronological interlude um, between the six seals and the last seventh seal but equally this could be a kind of a I guess almost like a flashback in the way a flashback would function in a in a movie or something. It's showing you another part of the plot 
that you weren't shown in the first time round that you saw the story play out, but now it's kind of re-showing you that um, when you kind of already know about what else is going on in the storyline. So it could be that as well. It could be that this vision is kind of flashing back and showing him, even though all this stuff is going to unfold, um, these people are going to stand through it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that reads well with the text here. But if you want to think more about how this book kind of plays out, uh, you can go back and listen to my episode on the nature of time um, and that might kind of throw some questions into that about how we read that well. So these people who can stand are the ones who are sealed. They are given a seal, the seal of the living God. Um, and those with the seal aren't harmed. They are the servants of God. That's what it says in verse 3, that it's the servants of God that have been sealed with the seal on their foreheads. Um, and then it tells us who exactly these people that who have been sealed are. Um, first of all, we're given this 144,000 who um, are from the, every tribe of the sons of Israel, we are told, and then there's that list. Um, and then we see a great multitude, and these are people from every nation, tribe and language. Interestingly, um, the first set of people, the 144,000, appear to be on earth. These are people that are facing um, this day of wrath. Uh, and then in, in heaven are the great multitude. Because we see in that section the elders and the angels and the living creatures falling down worshipping God. We know that's the throne room from what we've previously read in this book. So who are these people? Um, why are they listed in such a way as this? let's get into it i think there's kind of three or maybe four main interpretations about who these 144,000 are um the great multitude is more obvious i don't think anyone disagrees on that these are the people who have been saved who are christians who are following the lamb who are servants of god um they're the people who in the last times are are before the throne um and they're people from every nation so it's much less specific it's just a great multitude as, as many people as you can imagine um that have been saved and, and are brought into god's kingdom um and those people have been through the great tribulation they've come out of it and they are victorious um they are there with palm branches in their hands um yeah i, I th there's very little kind of discussion about who these people are it seems fairly obvious these are the ones who have overcome who have patiently endured who follow the lamb um interestingly i'll go into this in a second but something about the setup of this passage suggests a kind of military census um, and what's interesting about this as an image um it's similar to when we spoke about jesus as being the line of judah and and um John hears that title and then he turns and actually what he sees is a lamb covered in blood, in his own blood. Um, and here we get this kind of military setup, this census, military census idea. And actually this great multitude that we then see in heaven who have overcome aren't holding weapons, even though they are being perhaps presented as the kind of army of God. Um, but they are holding palm branches. They are holding palm branches, which is reminiscent of when Jesus enters Jerusalem, isn't it? Um, as we celebrate Palm Sunday in the church, when palm branches are uh, uh, waved and um, the Messiah is being worshipped and kind of his fulfilment of all the prophecies is being is being declared. And that's what's going on here. They have palm branches. It's in their worship and testament of who God is that they overcome, um, not by violence or physical 
um, kind of weapons. Just a really interesting point I just wanted to highlight there before we dive into this other issue of the 144,000. Okay, so here we go, a whistle-stop tour of four main positions on what, who even, these 144,000 are. Um, the first position that might come immediately to your mind is that of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They actually believe that only 144,000 people um, throughout all time will be saved. And that would be it. Um, that's what they believe, and that's kind of the main um, heretical viewpoint that they hold, and that's what makes them a cult rather than Christians, um, amongst other things, but that that's the big one. They believe only 144,000 people will be saved in total, um, and so that's clearly not what's going on, because as I just said, after this number, we then see a great multitude from every nation, language, tribe, so that that's immediately ruled out if you read it in the context of the actual book of Revelation and what the Bible tells us literally the paragraph afterwards. So we can rule that one out. But there's three others that um, are kind of much more possible um, that are held by people of different denominations, um, scholars, Bible scholars from different kind of viewpoints, different people hold these views. I think it's one of those things that isn't particularly doctrinal, it's just um, interpretive. Uh, so I wouldn't get too worried about it, but you know you want you want to be thinking about it, studying it, and trying to decide for yourself what you think is actually most accurate and faithful to the text. So you know all of that. I say that all the time. The first option is that these are all um, ethnic Jews, and by that what I mean is they are people with Jewish heritage. They have come down from the Israelites, um, and people can read this as a fulfillment of Romans 11 that says there will be a, um, a restoration of Israel in the last times that all Israel will be saved. And some people read this passage as being a declaration that all Israel shall be saved. Um, the numbers that are used here are much like the other numbers in the book of Revelation. They are symbolic in that they represent fullness. So 12 is a number of fullness, the number of all God's people because there are 12 tribes of Israel and so there's 12,000 from each tribe so that's like kind of ultimate fullness I guess um so that's times together to make 144,000 so it's talking about all the people that that's what that number is about that's the meaning behind that number um the issue some people have with that reading um is twofold so the first one is what I just said if you're taking the number to be symbolic and then taking um the rest of your reading to be literal in the fact that this is literally all people in Israel being saved. The, some people see a contradiction there. Um, the other thing is the list of the tribes here is really weird. It's unlike any other list of tribes um, of Israel in the Bible. So you have a few issues with it. You um, Dan is missing, uh, who's one of the tribes, and you also have Joseph in here and his son Manasseh but not his son Ephraim um, which is, is just weird um, and then you've also got Levi in um, and usually what happens if if Levi is substituted um, out for another tribe quite often so it, it's weird that Levi is there and Dan isn't there um, also Judah's first 
which is again is strange if you look at other lists of the tribes because really the only time Judah is first is geographically um, if they're kind of listing them in, in order of, of place so that's really weird it could be that um, linking back to Jesus title of the line of Judah I don't know that that's a possible option but we just need to recognize this list has inconsistencies there's loads of information and different ideas about why there are these inconsistencies and why there's these particular people um, are kind of substituted for others and I'm going to link a load of stuff in the description different resources I've been looking at I'd really recommend um, the Naked Bible podcast by Michael Heiser it's pretty in-depth but I think that's what we need with the passions like this if you want to go beyond what I'm just going to skim over today that's the one I'd recommend um, really really helpful really really good at bringing the kind of Old Testament context and the biblical worldview context to this passage so I will link that if you want to discover that more. Um, the second position on the 144,000 is that it is just representing all the people of God. So people that say this um, will quite often argue that the great multitudes that are seen in the second section of this chapter are the same as the 144,000 that come before it. Now in Revelation quite often and in other prophetic or apocalyptic um, literature and visions uh, people will see something and then they're given an explanation so that's where the idea comes from uh, it also comes from the idea um, that these people are sealed so we are shown um, before these people are listed that they are sealed so the argument here goes that those who are sealed are the ones who are following Jesus and therefore these are Christians um, and therefore this is the whole church, this is the fullness of Israel, is actually the fullness of all people that are grafted into Israel um, through the blood of Christ. Craig Keener suggests that this seal that is put on people's foreheads isn't actually a physical thing, um, but it is something that is being used in reference to passages in the Old Testament, particularly Ezekiel um chapter 9 and Song of Solomon chapter 15 about the righteous being marked for salvation and in these passages it's only the spiritual beings that can that can see this mark um, so he's suggesting that this is a mark of Christians it, it could be something like a baptism or, or it's the fact that they're washing Jesus blood it's, it's not quite specific in that way but it's marked in a way that the supernatural or spiritual beings can see those who are saved and those who are not um, linking back to those passages is where he gets the idea from and that's part of his argument as to why he thinks this is um, a picture of all God's people including Jews and Gentiles um, the church in a way and he thinks that um, that's what the 144,000 is um, alongside those in the great multitude. Now, this this can be seen, I can see why people think this, um, especially considering the 144,000 are on earth and then the great multitude are in heaven. It could be seen as a before and after picture, perhaps. I will link Craig Keener's video on the topic in the description as well if you want to check that out, although I think most of that information I got from his lectures on Revelation, which is available on Audible, actually. They are very, very good, um, very, very helpful in terms of uh, cultural context specifically I'd say. So that's another view. I think there's a third view here which is, or a fourth even if we're counting the Jehovah's Witnesses view but, but you know that's heresy so maybe not. Um, but a third view which is quite often not given as an option. People tend to either say these are 
This is either all of ethnic Israel being saved or it's the church as in people who are Jewish and who are Gentiles um, who are saved. And there's another option here which, which Michael Heiser gives and highlights. I think also Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown, um, who is a Pentecostal scholar, um, also kind of suggests. And, and that is that these are both in the sense that these are people that have been sealed, which means they are servants of God. They have they have repented. They are following the Lamb. They are following Jesus. Um, but they are also the 144,000. This is not the great multitude. They are also um, Israelites or, or, or Jewish people. The suggestion is that these are Messianic Jews, people who are Jewish in ethnicity, but have repented of following Jesus, and therefore also. Are Christian. Um, Michael Brown, I will link in the description here, believes that this is referring to an end time prophecy being fulfilled. Um, that Romans eleven, where it says all Israel will be saved, and it's it's a it's it's a, a great number of people who are um, Israelites being saved in that they are turning to Jesus, and that is how they are saved. Um, they are repenting and turning to Jesus. They have been sealed. So he thinks this is a turning of a, a significant amount of Jewish people um, turning to Jesus and seeing him as the true Messiah and, uh, and, and following him and worshipping him as the true God. And I think this is really, this is the reading that I think is most um, accurate. I don't know about the, you know, this being necessarily an uh, this this prophecy exactly how that plays out what that looks like I don't know um I think I'm more with Michael Heiser's kind of reading where he kind of tentatively says you know there's debate around this there's different readings that are valid however for him what is most persuasive is these are people who are both Jewish and Christians and I'm I think I'm with him on that after all my hours <laughs> I think I'm with him on that I think this is this is God saying his covenant to Israel is completed but eschatologically um, and these people are being saved through Jesus as as in verse um, 10 um, the great multitude are crying out that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb the lamb of course is Jesus um, so those are kind of the the main views about who the 144,000 are in this passage is a very very quick brief um overview i realize i spoke very fast i'm trying to cram it all in for you just chucked a load of information at you so if you want to spend more time kind of gently and thoughtfully going through this all i will link all the things in the description that i've been looking at again they, they are all different views so um check them all out if you want to get that kind of balanced overview and, and make a decision yourself um and next week i'm going to be looking at um the great tribulation that phrase the great tribulation that we see here and what it means in the context of this kind of second half of chapter seven so thank you for joining me um i hope you're okay and not too frazzled after me throwing all of that at you but i hope it was helpful and a really quick overview and just gets you thinking about this um like i said it, I, it took me a while to kind of decide because i i could see where all the different views are coming from other than the jehovah's witnesses but i could see from the bible where all these people were getting their ideas from i think there there is a variety of positions on certain areas of the bible where you know 
there is variety of interpretation. The important thing is, is you can explain that interpretation by looking at the scripture in context, within the biblical story, within its cultural context, and, and show your workings, I guess, um, show where that comes from. Because we want to be faithful to this book, don't we? Yes, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna shush now and leave you on with your week. Um, thank you for joining me and I'll see you next time to talk about the Great Tribulation, which will be more cheery than it sounds, I promise. Thank you so so much for joining me for today's podcast. If you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That would be really, really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the Bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey. If you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially, you can use the Buy Me A Coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources. You can also follow me over on Instagram at Bible with Megan or One Word, where I update everything that's going on and have content on there as well. So I really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode.